Hey up, welcome to the Temple of Blet episode 30, I believe. No Dave, but we've got a shab. Aye. It's a better option. It's um it's it's certainly the consistency is certainly um appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Although we are recording on a different day, so Oh uh, yeah, but consistency in, in personnel as opposed to consistency in anything else on this fucking podcast. I've currently yeah. got I was incredibly satisfied last night because I've now got four interviews which are just stacked up and ready to go out, ready. I just need approval on all of them. So yeah. I, I've now got, once I'm done with this, I'm going to give myself the night off. And actually that's just that, chill that's out. what you want, ideally, in it to be uh, to be sort of the opposite of backed up, really, to have those uh, in place to upload. I mean, I, I sort of, because I haven't uploaded to my YouTube channel for so many years, I have sort of have a big backlog of stuff to potentially upload, which you'd think would make things easier. But it's kind of like, I'm so lazy, I don't even have the energy to upload. This backlog uh, came at um, the time when I was doing the doc. So when it was like, right, I'm going to spend like, I can't remember how long it was now. It must have been like four weeks pulling the doc together and doing the last interviews for that. Hmm. And obviously I had some last minute ones, like the Dennis Clute one and stuff like that. And it was just a matter of, I don't have time to edit this and put it out. I've got to just fucking crack on with this doc. And this this backlog has now just ended, like, as of last night. Right. So they do go back to, you know, t- two months ago or something like that. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Uwe Lurch one was, must have been about three weeks ago. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, there was some, like, the Mike Gitter one was about a month old by the time I, I came around to editing it. Right. Yeah. Fucking nightmare. Okay. Is it, but the point is, it, it proper stacks up. So I've had a drink. So apologies oh. to those who aren't too familiar with the Northern dialects where this could get a bit fucking dicey. Oh, you, you just get more street as you get more drunk, do you? I didn't know that about you. No, but it, it, with an accent that doesn't pronounce its T's and H's as a rule anyway, the last hmm. thing you want is fucking slurring. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, we'll see how we go. Uh, how do you want to start this? Oh yeah, so we mentioned um, uh, an ongoing, an ongoing sort of like thing between you and Dave as to uh, effectively it's it's a, it's, a, it's an outreach program where you can sort of share music, um, hmm. and we've we've all got lists that we we want to work our way through. But I wanted to talk about that Attila track that you sent me the other day because you sent me an Attila track that said that solo is trippy as fuck, yeah. but the focus of that wasn't what. The, my focus on that particular track wasn't the solo, even though you are bang on right. It was like, this is ultimate Dave kind of music. Because I, it's I, don't, not- I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I mean, it's very, I thought you would hate the rest. That's why I very specifically just said, oh, check it out solo. You know, just quite, save quite, you the, save you the hassle. It. But the thing it is, was, I think the thing that Dave would like about it is the fact that the lyrics are bang your head until you're dead. Hmm. What, what's the other one? Like, if, your, if your girlfriend wants to fuck tell her to meet me at, at the after show or something like that something it's kind like of crazy it's pretty cringe it's pre- that's why i called it chadcore because it's very <laughs> so Chad, i knew that before i even listened to it like i just just from like the you know the reputation precedes them in the metalcore community uh I've, not that i've ever seen anyone call them chadcore i haven't stolen that that's my uh that's my moniker that i've got from the but uh yeah there are a few bands like that that it, it's it's weird it's like they're sort of trying to imitate Hip hop and uh, and rap that kind of culture and try and incorporate it into metalcore. Uh, although this it's very deathcore actually. This this album that I listened to that I sort of 
you know, sent to you. The, the name of the song was Villain, by the way, if anyone oh, really? wants to check it out. So it's it from, is it about themselves? It's not. Uh, good point, actually. I didn't make that connection. Um, I haven't, I've only listened to the first two songs on that album. I've mean, sort of been meaning to listen to it, and then I heard that solo. I thought, oh, I'll send this over to you. The thing is, like, Dave likes, well, I, I don't know, I can't, I don't want to pigeonhole him too much, but the thing the thing that you said last last time we spoke was, it's like you and, was it like you and Dave like action movies, but you like Alan Schwarzenegger and he likes Marvel movies. And yeah. if we unpack that a little further, I think like a lot of the stuff which he likes is sort of very visceral, very vivid kind of like um, um, sort of paint, uh, picture painting. And uh, it's really kind of fantastical in its, in its delivery. Right. Mm. And at the same time, I know Dave really likes like eighties cock rock and hair metal. Right. He really likes that. So this song villain vitilla where they're basically just singing about themselves mm. and you know it's kind of like manowar blow your speakers it's kind of like really self-referential in a weird way it's kind of just bigging yourself up in the cheesiest and cringiest way possible and that's what dave likes from those 80s hair metal bands so yeah, there's so there's some crossover there which i think is quite promising it's a lot of it's a lot of like posturing and a lot of probably addressing some controversial issues like and and you know making sure they don't apologize for it um there's a um because the i, I said I, I mentioned during the last podcast because uh they were sort of another segment for questionable person of the week in the metalcore scene where they'd recently uh let go of their drummer for some you know allegations of sexual assault or some harassment issues of <laughs> no, some sort like it's- it's a famous segment. Yeah, my famous. Well, the, the lead singer also had similar allegations brought against him. You know, it was mentioned in the same article that I was reading because there's sort of like a weird irony there where the lead singer is still in the band, but the drummer has been let go. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the lead singer so like vehemently denied these allegations. And, you know, he had like, I didn't even read his whole response because it was so many different tweets. You know, you get like a 50 yeah. character and it was about 20 tweets long that's a bit of a tongue twister sorry yeah. uh, and it was just so tedious i was like i can't read all of this but um it's definitely like you know maybe he's innocent maybe he's guilty i don't know i mean he could be completely innocent but it's definitely like the attitude you associate with taylor where it's like they're not they don't apologize for anything you know they're not they're not apologizing they're a lot of posturing a lot of like bigging themselves up and i guess like the that attitude is not only in their music is in their life as well. I don't know. I, I, although they any responded... any song which says that I'm not going to apologize for being a dick. Actually, is just so fucking cringy for me. Hmm. Ugh, it's just like it's proper Karen core in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Chad core in it. That's what it is. The um <laughs> cl- the the latest like sort of single which came out in March, uh, Clarity, which I mentioned because it ha- has a sort of weird um, electronic element to it, uh, like like almost trance Corey. And then it turns into like a new metal chorus, which everyone was praising in the comments. I mentioned that, but um, I noticed like they actually respond to a lot of the comments in the YouTube and they're super like positive about it. And there are, there's a lot of like, you know, Oh, you know, I used to think you were shite, but this is uh, really good. And you know, the comments are like, Oh, thanks dude. Welcome back. Which you wouldn't like associate with the attitude that is generally associated with Attila. But um, yeah, I'm surprised you think that Dave's going to like, I don't think. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I mean, he's, I he's got a much better chance of liking that than Attack Attack. Right. Well, obviously, but um, <laughs> it's still on the on the spectrum of 
what I would consider like, you know, metalcore, deathcore, not, not, it's not, you know, Viking metal anyway. So, you know, him better than I do. I think there's, a, there's some potential there. The, there's um, some potential. Speaking of which, the, uh, the weird thing is, I actually completely forgot that Periphery wrote a fucking Viking metal song. It's, it's a really heavy metal song. And it's about about Vikings, and I completely like forgot. And it's you know, it was the first single I right. remember incorrectly from the latest album. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but yeah, it's about it's basically like the lead singer watched you know that TV show Vikings. I've never I've never mm-hmm. seen it, but um, and just sort of wrote about that. Just wrote about Vikings and going and killing Christians and stuff. I don't like it. I don't like it when it's on, it's on two. I don't like it when there's. I don't like it when you see a song and it's so obviously a reference to like the current Vogue TV show, like Hail to the King by Avengers Sevenfold was a mm. Game of Thrones one. There's mm. a Biffy Clyro, or Clyro one called Wolves of Winter, which was just like, oh, there's a Game of Thrones oh, one. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, I'm not really. I mean, I, I guess they just, I guess it's not like very specifically about the TV show, but I do know that he'd been watching it and like mm. sort of, uh, you know, influenced yeah, by I might, it. Yeah, I might not give a shit in five years when we've all forgotten about Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Maybe well, it's... it's- Sense. I've never seen Vikings, so I don't know if it really like carries the, you know, the heaviness. I don't know if the, the the TV show itself has that sort of brutality that is carried in the song. The name of the song is Blood Eagle, by the way. Um, right. Okay. Which I think is like a reference to some torture method that Vikings use. That I don't know. Again, I did watch Vikings, and I'm not like particularly interested in Vikings. Hence the discrepancy in the taste between Dave and I. So, yeah, you know, maybe he'll the be able to see what he is. He'll be able to. He'll be able to fill us in. Out. On what yeah. a bloody eagle is, um, but it's not. It's not for me. So I mean, maybe you would like that song. I should. You should probably send that to him. I don't think it has any clean singing in it. So um, put it on the WhatsApp group in a bit. I'd love to hear his, his reaction. It's um, yeah. It's the bloody eagle is a ritual method of execution. Uh, the victims yeah, were placed in a prone right. position. Their ribs. I don't know if this is too uh, graphic for the podcast. Their ribs no, severed, severed from says, the spine. Unless it says the c word, it's not. It stays in. Oh, that's all right then. And their lungs pulled through the opening to create a pair of wings. It's pretty brutal. That's gnarly. It's probably one of those. Probably one of those things that never actually happened. You know, like the Iron Maiden, like never actually. It was just like invented after medieval times. Yeah, yeah. It sounds more like a spatchcock chicken as well. It doesn't sound like a torture method. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was uh, my piece. Yeah, I need to. I need to send that over to Dave. I'd be sort of interested in whether he, he then likes that because obviously. It's sort of my argument about metalcore basically being, you know, metal, but with lyrics that use the pronoun she, which metalheads don't like. Yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. this has the, the co- you know the lyrical content that he likes. So then, does this equate to something he's going to like? If this oh, within... to be more disparaging to his taste, is this enough? <laughs> is that enough? Is that the <laughs> it's, threshold? Is could could you see this song featuring an Avengers Endgame? <laughs> Surprised uh, Avengers Unfold didn't do a song for Aven- Avengers Endgame. Have they done any songs for film? No, they're doing for, they're doing for COD quite often uh, for Call okay. of Duty. Uh, I think I haven't played. Well, I've, play, I've played. Well, I've played. I haven't played the most recent ones, but I was playing them a lot uh, year after year, and I don't recall fucking Avengers Unfold in it. So it, sh- so it shows I how think, much. I think it starts from like Black Ops Two. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's when I started playing up to about Black Ops 4. Oh, really? And then it got a I bit... I was off the fucking wagon by that point. <laughs> no, that's when, I, that's when I first jumped on the wagon. 
I was. I don't don't know. Should we should we talk some nows? Some nows. Some nows. Some news. Yeah, we can do. Um, there's uh, well, the, most of the news and news that I saved over the past week have been related to you know favorites of ours in this podcast. You know, well, people that I keep dragging up for no reason. Uh, so yeah, there was get out well, there was the obviously there was obviously attack attack which I sent you, <laughs> which was yeah. a, which was a funny one, which was just. Just, just such a strange, like strangely relevant to what we've been talking about about metalcore, about attack, attack, about crabcore. Because what they they released a single what on four twenty basically, twentieth uh, of April. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was obviously very deliberate, saying uh, they were promising to change metalcore forever with this single. Um, and it might have been, it might actually be a song of theirs. They already have. I mean, I can't say I'm like familiar with all of their material. I just mainly listened to the first album. But it's. Did you listen to the song? No, I did not. Uh, it was like 45 second um, hillbilly music. <laughs> it's. It sounded like. It sounded like it must have been a song of theirs that they turned into a sort of. Uh, what would you call it? What, what do you call it? Of... No, like hillbilly shindig. Hoedown. Oh, yeah, hoedown. Uh, that kind of music. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know what the fucking reference is there. But it was just interesting. Because then that also, April Fool's wrong. Yeah, it sounds like that. I don't know what that's got to do with legalizing cannabis or whatever. But um, it did take me onto the the Attack Attack Wikipedia page, which made me then realize that they had actually reunited last year in uh, mm. in October, which completely passed me by. Which is kind of like. Shameful, considering I've probably mentioned, brought them up on like every episode of this podcast, and not even realised they're actually reunited and pr- pr- mm. producing music right now. Uh, but that, that's sort of like the problem with like how are you supposed to find out the fact that it's like passed me by is uh, sort of makes me wonder like, well, how, how do you find out? Because why would I follow a band that's been defunct for like six years on Instagram or whatever in case they randomly one day announce that they're back? Because it's not like it wasn't important anyway. It wasn't yeah. important. The conversation was for you to tell me what crab car was, and that, the only thing we needed was that one signal, uh, single. We didn't need anything else. Well, well, I mean, it, it, still, I just mean on me on a personal level. It's a band I listened to, and I had no idea they reunited like six months ago. Um, it's just like it, it's because it's like, it's not worth following most bands. They post so much shit on social media, like barely follow any bands because it's just not worth it. Like for the occasional actual piece of good news. Yeah. Decent, you know. Uh so that was one piece of news. Uh, uh that I've got one. Reunite. Go on. Uh Dino Cazares is days away from deciding on the new singer for Fear Factory. Can you believe it? Oh, uh, who broke that one? Oh man. Some fucking <laughs> <laughs> proudest proudest moment of your life that proudest moment of my, my life. I made blab uh, blabbermouth. Blabbermouth. Have you printed that page off? No. Are you going to print that page off? No. Get it on a flag. Get on a flag, hang it up behind you. I'll only print the comments. <laughs> Just as a, a, a care reminder that I should keep my feet firmly on the ground. Oh, uh, the comments on Blabbermouth, I don't think I read yeah. them. Are they, oh, are they overwhelmingly all... negative? Yeah, as usual. Oh, okay. It was quite It was quite nice to see it, though. Um, and I didn't submit it to Blabbermouth, so I don't know who did. Hmm. Mm-hmm, indeed. Well, there, was, well I mean, there were a lot of. There's been quite a lot of interaction with that video on YouTube. A lot of uh, Fear Factory fans coming out of the woodwork, 
I should, they probably got excited enough to deem it newsworthy for Blabberman. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. 38 likes, 1,400 views. Not too bad. I think the yeah, corresponding... There's no dislikes, are there? Not yet. That That's quite impressive. For that number of views to have not a single dislike, that is impressive. Over such a contentious... I say contentious. Such a weirdly litigious sort of time mm. in Fear Factory's yeah. career where it's like there's there's like two camps and things like that. Mm. Well, I guess yeah. the I guess the camp for the ex singer is a lot smaller than we thought. Yeah, I mean, I I'm fairly I'm fairly confident that the future of Fear Factory is extremely bright for reasons which I go into on that interview. Basically, saying you know Burton's contribution to the to the genre was elevating and innovative, but the rest of the world moved on without him, not in a mean way. It, it but now with Burn out mm. the picture, you can get like this super there's. And there's like an entire world of displaced like metalcore singers inspired by the Fear Factory vocal sound who can now bring something completely fresh to the sound. And as we heard in that new um, single, Disruptor, yeah. even like um, Dino is just like, we know he's kind of a visionary anyway. I wasn't expecting gent breakdowns. Yeah, you know well, I mean? the, fact, the whole song was on a, was pretty genty, really. If you mm. if you throw like oh, yeah. Spen- Spencer from Periphery over the top of that, uh you know, it's going to sound like a completely different band. Really, it's going to sound like Periphery. It's not going to sound out of place with the uh, with the gent scene. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, how the how the new singer like sort of gives him a new identity with with the new music because they could end up being completely different. Yeah, but I don't think it's the core of it. I think the the instrumentation is the core of it for the mm. for the reasons that I've. I, yeah, well, I think it's just it's a golden opportunity. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I can't uh, think of many other, other bands. That, so go on. In other news, if you want to uh, move on. Oh yeah, watch that interview if you want to see me fucking gush over Fear Factory for a bit. Considering I'm like a, quite a casual fan, I feel like I understand like where they are and what they've done, and I feel like I navigated that quite well without coming off as patronising. So uh, if you if you want to hear me fucking gush over that kind of stuff, then watch the Dino interview. Yeah, well, the fans definitely uh, seem. You know, positive about it, enthusiastic yeah. about the th- fact that you've uh, steered the interview to places that you know, most interviewees don't, which is, is sort of your your shtick, really, in it. Um, it it definitely is. The, yeah, which is a good. Which when is did good you thing. first pick up the guitar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Anyway, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting to hear about like the compositional side of things as well which which you ask about a lot which i which i which is what i like to hear about you know it's i i watch like studio updates of bands because i think that's like the most interesting thing a band can do really you know anything else is a bit eventually a bit like, i think maybe it's because of our age but the, the magic kind of dies a little bit the magic of being on this like seeing people on a stage and like the proximity with the band and the sort of mythic figures they kind mm. of the magic dies a little bit and the magic well, i say it doesn't die it just relocates like i'm a lot more interested in in like the technical aspect of a live show than i mm. am seeing people like yeah bruce dickinson's a great singer but i'm wanting to know what effects they're putting on his voice because there yeah. are some, there's a lot of effects. There's like layers and layers of reverb and delays and things like that. And I want to know what they're going to deploy for which song. What are they harking to? Because it's not all the same every gig. And I, that's for me, that's where the magic is now. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's uh, I, It's almost like since the first concert I went to, I've been you know, trying to chase that, you know, that feeling of like, oh, it's like on Christmas Eve and you think Santa Claus is coming. It's like you know, that, mm. that naivety of having some mystic, figure that you've only heard on cd 
and they're suddenly in front they've come from the other side of the world and they're in front of you it's like it's not really yeah, you don't get that feeling anymore really after like 100 concerts or whatever i, I, I don't know and um even though I've, I've just sort of alluded to the fact that you're absolutely right the closest it came to was a few years ago i went to um not even a few years ago it must be like two years ago i went to see uh, king gizzard lizard wizard king gizzard and the lizard wizard mm-hmm. uh leads uh o2 academy and that was like that was like the the atmosphere there was completely electric, but I didn't know. I, I think it was one of those where I like the band, I like their record, but I didn't know they had like a following. So when you turn up to the gig and they kick in with that first song, which um, "Mars for the Rich" is it, something like that, um, it just it the place proper fucking exploded, and I just wasn't expecting it. Mm. So I guess it's like this could speak into another conversation about how like a social isolation is kind of like mm, sometimes regarded as like a virtuosity, like not checking Facebook all the time, not being so plugged in all the time, but actually it pays dividends in other parts of your life as well. And for example, for me, it was that gig, not knowing that that band had a massive buzz about it kind of made me feel, it made it really surprising at the time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, I, that, that kind of issue is what, it's made me more selective with like concerts that I go to recently, you know, in the past few years, it's like, well, um, is this band like, have I seen them before? Are they super technical? You know, it's kind of like if it's something the the just the, the technical side of the, the playing is like something to behold. And that's like an impressive spectacle. Then that'll, that'll, you know, convince me to go to a concert. But when it's something that when it's a little bit more like casual, I'm like, is it worth the effort and the money anymore? You know, because you just don't, you're just going to get a better mix listening at home through your fucking studio headphones. Uh, it depends what the you stakes I mean? are. Like, I'm a, I'm a really stupid fucking dude. So, like, if someone said to me, would you like to spend 250 quid getting a train down to London and just visiting all the Monopoly sites? I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a laugh. So, similarly, mm. I'm happy to spend like 20 quid on like a gig for bands I've never heard of because one's called like, I don't know, fucking Clunge Fist or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, having said that, I still have like blind loyalty to some bands where it's like, oh, yeah, go on, then I'll just go. You know, when Funeral for a Friend played two years ago, their last concert in London, you know, I still got a train to London, Got we got booked a hotel and stayed the night. You know, didn't really go anywhere in London. It was just specifically for the oh, original scene Funeral for a Friend. And I'd, and I'd seen them, I'd seen them like three times live before, I think three or four times live. So it wasn't like a special event in that respect either. All I gotta uh, say there is I, I can't feel the same about you anymore. Ah, uh, thank you. That's a that's a deep reference. Oh, it's not that deep. It is my main <laughs> singles street car, but um, what was oh, I haven't say? got anything back on my, on the hot take. By the way, I did ask Mike Gitter like, is that a reasonable comparison? The metal core right. sort of pigeonhole. Could we put Feel for a Friend next to Kill Switch Engage on the merits of their first two albums? I didn't get anything back. But he's a busy man, so right. I do forgive okay. him for that. But he's also probably the one person on the planet who'd be like, shut up, Jimmy, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that goes directly to me then. Um, I didn't know you were throwing that how, you know, hot take out there to the world, to people more qualified than me to talk about. Because it's a good hot take. I thought, because it, it, when you listen to those first two Feel for a Friend records, you are absolutely right. The sound is it isn't a million miles away no well i mean the guitarist is definitely trying to play metalcore riffs really um yeah. and then the other guitarist is is kind of trying to play post-hardcore 
bit more atmospheric, a lot of like delay and reverb and, and sort of tremolo picking, you know, mm. something you'd associate with post hardcore a lot. But, you know, at the core, you know, I would assume it is the, um, the main guitarist, the sort of rhythm guitarist who's almost playing lead because it's like pretty technical metalcore riffs who's writing the songs and making these, you know, decisions structurally about the songs. So on that basis, you have to sort of call it metalcore. I mean, that's maybe just my opinion as a guitarist, you know, mainly yeah. focusing on the guitar because obviously you'd expect a bit more like double bass drum shit and you know blast beats maybe stuff like that which obviously doesn't happen in those songs no i mean in kill switch when the blast beats kick in it's like that's kind of an outlier it's mm. an outlier kind of technique at that point so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say blast beats equals metalcore in that sense I, but point being i completely i actually completely agree with that hot take and i think it's it's one that's worth discussion yeah i, I mean i don't even know if it if i don't think like the argument is like that controversial it's just a weird you know, anomaly if we in invert history the question, of music. Yeah, if we invert the question, the question isn't the the, the statement isn't fuel for a friend and kill switch engage should be ne- you know neck and neck next to each other in the way that we compartmentalize our music. The question is, were we wrong to call fuel for a friend post hardcore emo? Hmm. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just for me it's just like they don't get like the recognition they deserve in any of the scenes really there isn't like a massive post hardcore community to the extent there is a metalcore community or yeah. a metal community so you know where are they getting the, rec- the recognition for being like such a consistent hard working band you know in a, from a small country you know from wales mm. um during that time like sort of coming out with you know a pretty unique sound uh you know incorporating those metalcore elements that there weren't many other bands doing at the time yeah which which Killswitch Engage get all the credit for but we could talk about it we've already talked about this for days so I'll move on to the next piece of news go for it which which is um, our good friend Tim Lambasis yes who is not our good friend <laughs> I should say for legal for legal reasons he's not our good friend for sure <laughs> but, but he is a good uh, topic we like to bring up uh, apparently he's um he held a he hosted a mental health class last week. I said what? Just on Zoom. You chat you you people. You seen this? You heard about this? Um <laughs> I've not heard this one at all. Uh, You're very much leading on the cutting edge news this right. week. Okay. Well, it was part of an event put on by the August Burns Red frontman, Jake Lures. Oh, okay. He's his I don't know, your life gym and heart support organizations dedicated to helping those facing mental health struggles. Um so, I have, I didn't read much beyond the fucking headline. I've got to be honest with you. I just thought it was funny uh, because <laughs> it's just someone we we bring up every podcast. So I thought I better, you know, maintain that consistency. I've got um, a, a recommendation for you. Go on. Just like if it just if you just give me the the, the ball to talk with, um, new Cannibal Corpse. Okay. Not your thing in terms of like just balls out death metal, but it is very technical playing and it is kind of weirdly, there's some, I want to say proggy, but there's some bits which kind of take you by surprise. And I think you'd appreciate that. In the same way we say um, Dave might appreciate Attila, you might appreciate Mm. New Cannibal Corpse. Okay. Well, maybe, well, send me, you know, whatever you think you deem like worth listening to and I'll give it a listen because, um, it's kind of weird, like, I, you know, if someone asks me what 
music I listen to. Like, well, I listen to a lot of music, but I guess you've got to say like metalcore, deathcore, progressive metal, death metal. And it's like, well, actually, the only band I listen to that's death metal is the Black Dahlia Murder, and I don't listen yeah. to any other. But, but you know, the, the sort of I don't know the weird scales that they use, and and that sort of like gothic. You know, it's it sort of sounds like. Not Beethoven, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to think who it sounds like. Wagner or something like that on, mm. on speed, distorted. You know, it's the, just the great uh, cat. It, the great cat yeah, just shudders. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's it's a lot like that. You know, and it's like kind of subtle, and you're hearing it in the background. These these like melodies that they're making interesting chord choices and, and note choices. And if you would like to slow it down and put it on. And slow it down, slow it down, and <laughs> put it on a string section. It would be like slow it right down. <laughs> it would be like that. I mean, you, you know, you did fucking music GCSE, so you're more qualified than I am to talk about fucking I don't know gothic era. You need to class- address the timbre. <laughs> classic music, uh, classical music, but it's just it's just cool, interesting to listen to. So uh, I haven't really. If it's anything that. like that, then. Yes, I'd, I'd make a comparison. I haven't listened to much, but I would make a comparison. Um, okay. I'll send. I'll send you the, the album. I think will be most applicable to your tastes. All right. Yes. I've always, I've always just because of my only exposure to like Cannibal Corpse is basically um, Ace Ventura, <laughs> which is it, which is very like that's almost Chad metal before Chad's existed as a as a terminology. It's very like almost like you know like Pantera's. I mean, I'm not, you came I'm not, up with it. Yeah, I'm not trying to <laughs> shit on Pantera, but Pantera's look kind of Chad metal. It's, Panta- it? it's Pantera, not Pantera. Sorry, I, I'm calling him Pantera. Right, Pantera, Pantera. Right, uh, you know that brand of like tough guy metal where mm. the singer has always never got a shirt on. <laughs> like <laughs> that's kind of like the the. the <laughs> you know the, the group that I threw him in, Cannibal Corpse, and that kind of. That. <laughs> you know that you know that meme of you've seen that meme of like that band with a guy who's like completely jacked, he's bigger than Tam, Tim Lombesis, he's like absolutely massive. I can't remember what they're called. Um, <laughs> Tim Lombesis again. Yeah, yeah, have you seen it where he's doing that really funny dance and they put music over it? No, is it oh, the oh. Um, Techno Viking? don't think so they're like an american like hardcore band or something but the guy is like absolutely jacked and he's got no shirt on and he's just doing this really funny dance and uh all the metal community always fucking meme it put music over it Stuart <laughs> would know what it is i don't i don't know what it is that's his kind of music as well no. i can't say i do ah well someone out there will know what i mean that's all that matters Send uh, it to us after this well i'll try and f- have to find it first um, last piece of news I think I had was about Kirk Hammett selling his guitar. Did you hear about this? Did you see this? Hear about this? No. Which um, one was this? His guitar featured in the One Music video. Oh yeah, I did read that. How much did it go for? You know the one, the uh, the Fender Stratocaster. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually realize it was like a natural maple color. I thought it was white because obviously the. The video is black and white. It just looks white in the yeah. video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the sort of natural maple color, Stratocaster copy ESP from like early 90s, no, late 80s, um, which uh, it sold for $112,000 at auction. Oh. 
but it's charity just, auction, it, I guess. I don't, I don't know a charity auction. I don't know about that. I sort of had a fucking take it. Oh, well, let's yeah. just let's let's just put that to bed now. He's taken all the money for himself, the greedy bastard. <laughs> well, yeah, I sort of had a little tirade in mind for this for this section, saying like, "What's he need the fucking money for?" He's just bought like a, well, not just, but he bought that fucking Les Paul for two million pounds, two million dollars, <laughs> um, and he, he definitely doesn't need the fucking. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know why you would sell something that's like quite integral to to your band's like history and legacy if it's not for charity which i cannot see anywhere that it is for charity you know i can't see or maybe you just didn't play it and that's a good enough reason to sell it yeah but you don't need the money like what is one hundred twelve thousand dollars to him he just bought a two million dollar les paul well he bought it a few years ago. no yeah but he makes that in fucking one concert these days the, the size of the concerts that metallica have and the prices they charge for the ticket this is true he doesn't need that money. It's just weird. Um, if you're not selling it for, cha- for charity and, and also space is obviously not a fucking issue for someone like him either, you know. Um, it's just weird. It just made me think of like, um, did you see uh, Ted Nugent selling his guitars recently? No. Last month. Because uh, Trogley was covering it. I'm not a fucking Ted Nugent fan. I wasn't. I didn't hear about it because of that. I heard about it um, through Trogley because he obviously was browsing. Is is had, a Ted Nugent fan? Is he? I don't know. Is uh, is a Gibson fan? So yeah, um, that's why I saw that. Because um, he had he had a lot of like gun shaped guitars. It was pretty fucking cringe, basically. Uh, <laughs> probably some guitars with the Confederacy flag printed on there as well. Sure, all that. Um, but he did have a 58 and 59 Les Paul Burst. It's in okay. two separate Les Pauls. How much do you think they sold for? Uh, they'll have been like in the 10, well into the 10s, like I'd say maybe 40, 50. 40,000. They sold $300,000 each. Fuck off. Yeah. What did he do to them? Get them fucking ordained by a priest or something? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're 58 and 59 Les Pauls, so... You know, sort of shitty condition. Fifty-eight, fifty-nine. Les Paul bursts are probably worth between what seventy, two hundred and fifty thousand. That's ridiculous. No name. These were not great condition, by the way. These yeah. had a lot of wear and tear on them. Even though he's not known for playing these guitars, so I don't know where they acquired that wear and tear. And they were they were cool guitars, but Jesus, I mean, a few there were a few things that went for a premium. He was selling, um, you know, the uh, Boss Chromatic Tuner. Mm-hmm. He was selling like a fucking early 90s one, you know, it's worth about 40 quid or something. Um, mm-hmm. I think it sold for $400. What? Yeah. And it had a few like Confederacy flag plectrums thrown in, which obviously aren't worth the $360. Oh, he's doing so him a favor, isn't he? Yeah. And I don't think that was for charity, by the way. Um, but then again, he wasn't selling these, most of these guitars, like he wasn't known for um, playing and stuff. So I suppose they were he just surplus to requirement. Yeah. Whereas, uh, I guess Kirk hasn't played that. that I think you're just envious. That's uh, that's the problem. I think you're uh, giving I'm Kirk a hard, hard time because he uh, sells shit he doesn't need. Well, I sell shit I don't need. To be fair, well, I've, I've been on the, I've been a right keen seller on eBay recently. Finally, but... something you and Kirk Hammett have in common. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I'm not selling them for charity, but then I'm not making hundred fucking grand off the stuff I'm selling either. So. Uh, good, good luck selling anything for half of what it's worth on eBay. Jesus, 
people, you know, get 14 watches and, and then they just watch it fucking not sell, no bids. You're like, what? Well, okay, cheers. Um, what else is there? Yeah, well, it also it made me think of, um, you know, David Gilmore of yes. Pink Floyd Flame. Uh, he uh, he sold all his, his entire guitar collection off a few years ago. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, I do. But that was for charity. And uh, it was a good lad, isn't he? It was for his own charity, I think it was about climate change, um, for climate change. And it included the, you know, the black strap, which has its own Wikipedia page, by the way. It's so famous. Um, it's a piece of shit, really. I mean, like it got, it got fucking routed for like a giant bridge and then he filled it up with like some shitty epoxy. It's like a piece of shit guitar, really, but it just <laughs> sounds good, I guess. Um, do you know how much that sold for the black strap? No, I'm, no, I don't like this game. Go and tell me. Four million, four million dollars. What the fuck are people thinking? <laughs> that's that's a record, by the way. It's a massively expensive. It has ever sold. Uh, well, he's got a lot that, to make up for after what Pink Floyd did to Venice. Well, he he did that for charity, so you can't you can't uh, criticize him, can you? So. Writing writing wrongs. Is um, uh, that was bought by the owner of an American football team, by the way. Who who also bought the case which he was selling separately for like I don't know no like fucking four hundred thousand pounds or something Jesus yeah crazy crazy because you know that guy's not going to play it he's just going to say oh it's that fucking black strap uh, well to be fair I think he I read an interview with him and he said he was going to play it um, he said he also owns like some of Elvis Presley's guitars. Um, and he said he plays them a lot and he started feeling like a dick for playing them all the time. So he's like sort of retired it a bit. But he says he's definitely going to be plugging that in and playing some tunes. He's like a massive mm. Pink Floyd fan. So I guess you can respect that. And it was for a good cause. I don't know yeah. who fucking bought Kirk Hammett's guitar for. I think it is hilarious that we can't find it reported that it did it. he did it for charity. I just don't think he did. <laughs> I, I mean, her, her, what? I mean, it was Heritage Auctions. Let me just see if that's some exclusive. Uh, no, I don't think so. What a callous piece of shit. Yep. Got to pay for his Netflix bill. Fucking hell. Right, well, I think that's all my news. Yeah, um, I haven't got anything. Um, obviously, I've been living in a bit of a fucking hole, haven't I? So Couldn't, Man, the, I have, the hole continues to be resided up inside. Of- I have other subjects, but I don't have any news. Uh, yeah, lay one on me. I've I've got nothing nothing fresh. Right. Uh you know Rob Scallon, we've mentioned him before. Which one's he? He's a guitar YouTuber, one of the <laughs> celebrity guitar YouTubers. Yep. Sort of thrown in a lot with um Jared Dines. I think he's played multi you know, I think he plays like a eight string as standard. He's got a signature guitar basically for some reason, for being a yes, guitar right. YouTuber with um Chapman guitars. Mm-hmm. That's another guy who had a controversial uh, allegation thrown at him and has fallen from grace, by the way, Rob Chapman. In this, like, fucking hell, (laughs) your weekly report on the latest sex offenders. What's wrong with you? (laughs) It's not my fucking fault. (laughs) You bring this shit (laughs) to this sacred temple of Blair. Also, it wasn't. To be fair, it wasn't. I'm just gonna. It wasn't a sex allegation. It was like allegations of bullying or something like that. Oh, that's fine. Oh, thank God. 
the, the fact that we're, you know, allegations of bullying is like a step up for us on this podcast. That's everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, has fallen massively out of grace. He now fucking lives in Malta, basically. He's like hiding away from the UK community in Malta. So that's anyway, the way you do it. Anyway, anyway, that's a massive tangent. Uh, I was talking about <laughs> Rob Skelly, who I don't believe has any allegations pending. Um, I just got recommended a recent video of his. He uploaded like two days ago. Uh, it was just super interesting. It was like 40 minutes long. I ended up watching the whole thing, even though like, I never watched Rob Skelly videos. Um, it was it was just uh, it was pretty cool. Basically, he was trying to... He, he stopped. He's stopping his partnership with... Uh, Chapman guitars basically so that signature guitar won't exist so he just did this like joke video where he was trying to build his own guitar in a day <laughs> with one of his mates who's a carpenter and um, it was it was like interesting because he like very clearly hadn't done any research on building guitars like himself sure. he just had like the basic knowledge of how guitars are built like any guitarist you know acquires over the years the kind of, yeah, about, the, about the level of knowledge that I have building a, car, a guitar where it's like well you know sort of roughly what a scale length is and like where the fret should go and you know what a nut is and stuff like that um, and then but his mate also just knew absolutely nothing about instrument making and nothing about guitars or like what the terminology was or so anything what, what compelled you to watch the whole thing then well, it was just like really interesting to see how like general woodworking skills translate to a really precise delicate process of guitar building mm. um i mean if you watch it it's just that's that's really what makes it interesting that there's the lack of preparation and, and that they just you know it's like it's like anything it's like if uh we made a video about trying to build our own car and we had no fucking re- we have no knowledge about building cars it would probably be sort of interesting there's entertainment value there and i think like the same applies here where you've got a skilled guy a guy who's like really skilled with working with wood and then they've got a guy who very vaguely knows what he's talking about just saying okay you have to cut this piece of ebony like to about a centimeter thin for the fretboard and he's like okay i'll do that i could do that you know it's just that for 40 minutes it's just interesting i thought it was like definitely a worthwhile video and like the first like the first issues you'd, you'd encounter like building a t- guitar they're doing it for you so it's kind of like mm-hmm. the first um the first logistical refusal of the universe to stop you from doing what you want to do. They're doing it there. So I guess yeah. it's kind of compelling, isn't it? Because it's not like you can kind of relate to the experience because you also have no fucking clue how to do it. Hmm. It's um. well, you sort of, I think when you play guitar for a long time and you get used to setting a guitar up and, and you know, adjusting things and just watching, I mean, I've watched quite a few, you know, guitar making videos anyway. So um, I'm not saying yeah, that in practice. I know, I know in theory how you did do it, but the same, you know, to the same extent that probably Rob Skellen did. So that's just why it's interesting. It's just interesting to see like how that very passive, vague knowledge then actually applies in real life. Um, uh, the only thing that sort of ruined it was that they were trying to do it in a day, one day, yeah. outside with the daylight, and uh, they just sort of ran out of uh, time and like became very apathetic towards the end and just bashed the foot because the last one the last process with like putting the frets in and just start bashing frets in randomly and it just obviously that's like a massive part of how good it's going to play at that point mm. so they've like spent ages making the body really well and routing it out of the electronics and then they just bash the frets in sort of like ruins <laughs> ruins, ruins the effect really 
Yeah. Uh, it's like making a cake and then just um, thinking, you know what would be really great on I'm sort of mercury. Yeah. <laughs> just put some fucking asbestos on top. It's um it's like you you sort of you don't actually understand you know, you can't like gauge how well they actually made it in the end. If they'd actually put the frets on properly then and done the nut a bit better, which you know, it's not like a massive deal. Could have actually seen how well these two guys could have made it. So when you see because it's, it's it starts out like that and then they just get more apathetic and it sort of gets worse. Um which sort of ruins it, but it's a, it's a good time. Good Very time. good. Could um, give it a whirl. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I watched. Um, I watched the People versus George Lucas. Yes, you did. How it was, was it? Very good. It's a very good documentary. I'd be very intrigued to see what the budget was. Uh, you'd seen it before, hadn't you? I'd seen it years ago, but now obviously because I'm looking at the Roadrunner doc, I'm like, right, I need to draw inspiration from places to like figure out how people pace things and do things properly. Hmm. And. Um, the one thing fair, I, I don't know if that's the best like template to use, but no, but it was kind of how, in terms of the narrative, it kind of fits because people give Rodor in a shit for how they treated bands, hmm. right? So, but they were picking up, it was kind of like chopped up in sort of variants of this is a thing George Lucas did, this is a thing George Lucas said, this is how we feel about properties and things that have like been put out in the world for long enough that they belong to the fans, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Those kinds of conversations. And you're right. It wasn't really applicable to how I'd like to tell that Roadrunner story, but from a production point of view, it was interesting because a lot of the shooting and like a lot of the talking head interviews were like wildly inconsistent. Hmm. And that was kind of reassuring to me because it was still really compelling to listen to what they were saying. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I guess it, it shows you like a lack of consistency can still, I mean, the, the idea is to be consistent as possible with your documentary, obviously, but it just shows you like, as long as you, uh, you tell the story in the right way, you have a, like a, you know, a compelling narrative, then, you know, people are going to watch it. This is the thing. But yeah. That's the only thing I watch. I've been watching a lot of red letter media because with a certain life event, which occurred, I've been up late at night with a miller bottle. So, Hmm. I've re- I've re- for some reason I really what YouTube should have is like they've got subscribe buttons they've got like a subscription feed they should just have like a favourite channel just sat in the corner on your phone like this is the channel you always go to just go to this it saves yeah. you searching for red letter meter every fucking night yeah it's uh, don't get me started on the YouTube algorithm um, yeah. do you want to Move on to the final subject, I guess, which we were going, we were trying to discuss with Dave, you know, about guilty pleasures. Yeah, you you can do. I haven't thought too much about this, but I think I'll I'll roll naturally over certain things because I sometimes need to take a break from metal, so Hmm. it should be fairly, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, what I mean about guilty pleasures is stuff that you genuinely like and you sort of follow to an extent, but it's like, it's not metal. Um, And it's almost like, it's almost embarrassing. I mean, I, w- I don't think I listen to anything that w- that would be ashamed to you know, declare publicly. Um, I think this is the thing about getting older as well. I give less of a shit, and you give less of a shit. Like I'll mm-hmm. tell you, my first one's Nora Jones. I've been listening to a lot of Nora Jones. When we mm-hmm. were in school, I would have been fucking laughed out of the fucking place. Yeah, but now mm-hmm. it's like, ah, you know what? Yeah, fair enough. Mm. 
I don't think I've ever listened to Nora Jones, so I couldn't. I can't actually like relate, and I can't actually judge her <laughs> anyway. But. A very touching moment with Nora Jones when uh, the week after Chris Cornell killed himself, she went. She played the same venue, uh, as in that the same venue that was his last gig with Soundgarden, and she mm. did like a piano rendition of Black Old Sun, which was really good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, might, I guess I might have actually seen that, but um, I haven't had enough exposure to it. Professor of Rock does a cracking interview with a, like it's a, mm. like a mini documentary about must be about forty minutes long or something uh, about like the first two albums. Yeah. I think it's the first two. I've seen, yeah, I've seen, I think that's one of quite a popular video that because I think when I've you know saw in his videos through popular it's like well I don't know who this I don't really know who Nora Jones is so so you know skipped over that. Yeah, you'd so yeah I'd call her a guilty pleasure in in that sense. It's mm. less guilty pleasure, more absolute catharsis. Hmm. Okay. Well, what, what, I, what, what, like, um, emotional sort of place does that fulfill? It's like just listening to chill because it starts out really chill. Um, because the, the one I listen to is, is the, the album I go to straight to is called Feels Like Home. I think that was right. like the breakout album. And it just starts right. with, um, Sunrise, which is just chill, really chill song. And then we move into like, sillier thing. there's like a dolly parton song which is a bit more upbeat um which i think it's called creep on in and it's sort of like it can it's like the palate cleanser for your head for me and then you, yeah, it sort I of think, elevates I I need like that a, as well yeah yeah it's like a, it puts you in like a better mood at the end because it's it's not as is sometimes the case with like your softer artists in the mid 2000s where it's just like a david gray sort of dour place hmm. it doesn't do that at all it's like pure neutrality leaning towards sort of positivity. And then it just sort of plays around in those areas. It doesn't necessarily bring you down anyway, even though it is kind of like blues and jazzy. Well, that's, that's what I mean about like when I criticize metalcore albums for being, you know, so monotonous. So like one note is that I need those sort of palate cleansers as well. Like, you know, having a metalcore album with a acoustic song smack, uh, smack bang in the middle of it is not like, a weird thing it's not like why why does that have to be so foreign for some metalcore bands why you know so many of these metalcore albums that are revered so monotonous like so like 12 tracks of just hard-hitting metal like why why you know humans don't operate on you know one emotion and i don't see why an album can't you know go through some spectrum of emotions throughout the process Mm. um you know that's why i like Older Berry Tomorrow, they have clean songs, they have acoustic songs, um, you know, only one or two um, in the albums. And they've sort of like abandoned that and just adopted this new new wave of metalcore where it's just got to be hard-hitting, fucking, let's get the pit going, lads, all the time. Is that Chadcore in your in your definition? It's a little bit. I mean, the most, the most, as I said, one of the most violent concerts I've been to was Barry Tamarin Leeds, where, you know, from start to finish, it was just like fucking hardcore dancing, uh, swing your arms about, like the the entire place was a pit. And it's just like, you know, if, if you're not there to like fucking get punched by someone swinging their arms around widely, then you can't actually appreciate any other aspects of the concert because all you're trying to do is just to avoid someone's fucking fist. Um, so what's the point in being there if that's not what you're there for? Um, but what's the point in making that the, you know, the, the sole motivator for going for a concert? It's mm. like, it's a bit like um, football hooligans almost. It's like some, 
<laughs> you know, propensity for violence that needs to be satisfied to, for some people or something going to a concert. You don't know yeah. until you go there as well, I guess sometimes. Unless we've got a reputation for that kind of thing, like like Slayer's like one for that. Mm. But yeah, what's your what's your yeah, it's just, it's, just then? Not, it's not why I go to a concert. I don't go to a concert to satisfy you know my fucking violent desires. Like I have to fucking you know swing my arms about in order to get some catharsis. To you know, it's not. It's, how you, it's how, it depends on how you plug into a group a group event mm. and a group thing. I have an yeah. easy time going to a Lamb of God gig or a Slayer gig, going ah, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. But I'm going to mm. kick the shit out of someone else. It's all fairly. I can. I can. I can transact that in my head fairly simply because I've just done it a million times and I'll do it a million times again. And it's not the the expenditure of my own energy and my own sort of goodwill against hitting another person is is kind of like done in a spirit in such a like a weird communal spirit sense mm. that it just sort of stacks up for me and it gives me a kind of catharsis which. I wouldn't get from watching Slayer from the back. Hmm. That's not to knock people who watch Slayer from the back because on the inverse, people get their catharsis from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's what it is. It's just like my reasons for going to a concert, as I said, because I've been more selective in recent years with concerts, obviously. It is for, you know, the technical aspect for appreciating, you know, other side of the band and it's obviously not for like the physical side being surrounded by a thousand sweaty moshes uh, this is so. Shab who has not been to an Arno car gig uh, Arno car no uh-huh. uh, have I been no. to anything close to that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know what like, the most heavy metal band I've ever seen I guess there aren't really any uh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> bullet for my valentine maybe <laughs> the most heavy metal I've ever been yeah, that's not comparable with Anarcho. Anarcho is kind of like more punk than anything else, really. Hmm. I don't. I mean, I've been to. I mean, like people like that will show up at like all sorts of concerts. When I went to see Bring Me the Horizon in Sheffield, um, there were sort of like fucking hardcore Nazi punks there that were getting kicked out left, right, and center because it was literally starting fights with people. Hmm. Uh, so you know, you get like those kind of people at all sorts of concerts. Not necessarily the genre that brings them in. Um, is that your you pleasure then bringing the horizon <laughs> no no I mean that's that's metal in it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name just like cringy bands in metal because I've, I've done that <laughs> I do that every fucking week anyway don't I? You know, it's, it's bring me the horizon one week it's fucking attack attack the next um, I'd say um, a couple of bands the funny thing is when I went to see Funeral End in London the supporting band the singer was like Oh fuck! This is uh, um, big up fucking metal. Fuck those bands, shitty new bands that have V's in their names instead of vowels. Um, and there was literally a guy walking past me at the time, like perfect timing, with a Paris shirt and uh, Paris, <laughs> they know, with the V uh, for the A. And I was like to my brother, "I listen to Paris. They're pretty good, Paris. I quite like them." Uh, I didn't like trying to start a fight with a singer or anything about it, but. Uh, that's, I guess, one band I would label as a sort of guilty pleasure because I don't know what they are, but they're definitely not metal. They're sort well, of... They... Um, uh, they're a band. <laughs> they're P-V-R-I-S, uh, pronounced Paris. But oh, so I, thought meant, I, I thought you meant... I thought you were referring to the support act. No. What? 
being called Barris. No, not the, the Spark were just shitting on bands with a V in their name for, for vowels. Are you not going to uh, name and shame this guy? I can't fucking remember. It wasn't a, it wasn't a famous band. The guy was like actually really fucking charismatic, like really cool, like one of the best frontmen I've ever seen. And just um, shot shit opinions about how you spell band names. Well, uh, he can have a, he can have an opinion on it. I don't care. Um, I don't know. Who, I want to kind of want to find out who who it was now. Uh, London support. What year was it? Twenty nineteen. I want to start a band called Aardvark, but all the A's are V's. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's gonna, I, can't, it I can't read and talk at the same time. So, Is it worth getting hung up on? Well, kind of, because, you know. Well, I didn't ask to know. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, didn't mention it here, but it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Paris is one band, which they're described as an American rock band. But recently, like the most recent album, which, to be fair, I wasn't like that keen on, is like super electronic, um, like heavy electronica type thing. Yeah. Uh, Although this genre says new wave slash post punk, I guess that's sort of it's sort of um similar to the um direction that Paramore have gone in. Mm. You know, there's there's my girl like, yeah. Well I I, yeah, I listened to Paramore as well. That, se- that second Paramore, Paramore album. Nothing else. Second Paramore what, uh, Riot. Riot, yeah. Well that's that is that, that's he- pretty heavy that really, relatively speaking. That's uh, I listened to that one. Oh, you listen to the newer stuff. It's pretty fucking cringe, I think. <laughs> I don't think it's that cringe. I mean, I listened to that album. I know that album like back to front, so I can't really you know, <laughs> say anything. Uh, have you listened to any of their newer stuff? Because they've nah, like, changed their sound massively. They're, they're straight up pop. Like, this pop is the thing. Now. I think it, it quite, they quite quickly migrated to the Hayley Williams pop project in it. And I think hmm. that's what happened. It, they're uh, still good, though. I, I mean, I, I like them. They're good, good songwriters. They're definitely like... Um, they start covering um ah what's it called anyway a song by Fleet, Fleetwood Mac I can't remember the song now um but I feel like that aesthetic and that vibe and that sort of uh, it's not that subtle actually their incorporation of electric electric elements and synthetic elements but they've sort of like run with it and like been oh yeah we like listening to this music on the road let's just start making this music so they've made this sort of like pseudo eighties synthetic almost Fleetwood Mackey feel good poppy punky music and it's you know it's part of like this new 80s 80s wave of uh, thing yeah well it's not really like doesn't actually sound like 80s music but for some reason it it has that like stereotypical vibe of the 80s Um, and that's what they've been going for more recently and it's pretty cool I quite like that stuff how do you feel Um, about My Chemical Romance well, we already mentioned this, didn't we? We like we we both listen to the singles, but we don't listen it's, to the albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about this. Yeah, I wonder what that is, though. I wonder why it's only the singles. The singles are just good. They're just good songs. They're just catchy and stuff. So yeah, you know, you can't deny it. You can't. Uh, you can't. Uh, I won't deny the groove. Uh, so that's Paris is sort of similar to that in that they've got like a lot of synthetic elements and they've become even more poppy as they progressed when they used to be quite heavy. Um, another band I would mention is Churches. Don't know if you know Churches, which are yeah. also spelt with a V instead of a U. Um, which have, have never they've never been heavy. They've always been like 
synth wave. I don't know how you describe it. You can tell I don't listen to a lot of this genre just because I don't know what the genre is. Uh, synth wave is pretty specific, I think. So if that's the words you're using. That's I think that's painting a picture in my head. Synth pop, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know. Synth pop, indie tronica. Never heard of that one. Okay, indie tronica. Some guy on another podcast just came up with that. Like you just came up with Chadcore. Well, potentially, but it is on Wikipedia. I don't think you'll find Chadcore on Wikipedia. Although I might oh, I guess you will after tonight. You will. <laughs> Let's just Google it. Chadcore. Uh, rate your music. There is a there is a there's a Spotify playlist called Chadcore. <laughs> <laughs> what is on it? That is the I'm intrigued as what. Ted Nugent is the first song on it. No way. Uh, Guns and Roses. I can I can see that. I guess. Have you ever treated yourself to trying to look at um, the Spotify playlist entitled "90s Frat Barbecue"? Uh, no, that oh, doesn't treat, sound like it. Doesn't yourself. sound like it. All right, I'll, I'll Google that one later. Yeah, '90s uh, Frat Barbecue Spotify. Yeah, this isn't what I would picture. Not a lot of this is. I guess Motley Crue's Chadcore, but. I think, well, Cor- I think that's what I was speaking to. Well, that's the kind of yeah. stuff I was talking about earlier. With what, what the crew is on there, Twisted Sisters on there. Yeah, this is exactly. Yeah, this is someone else is sharing. Yeah, but infinity the, about this. Yeah, but core is what it's what I consider like modern brands of music. It's it's like branches of older music, post two thousands. That's really what core is. So Chad Core's got to be these newer bands that are like heavy, but then at the same time, for some reason, they're posturing and like trying to incorporate, you know hip-hop elements and just you know wearing gold chains yeah. and stuff for some reason um which is not what you know the fucking elvis presley's on there how's that chad called what a chad <laughs> <laughs> phil collins johnny cash this i mean i am i am being selective here naming the the real carry on my wayward son is on there that's i think this is like uh what they mean is frat boys what frat boys might listen to yeah Really, which is not what I mean when I say Chadcar. So you need to do your own playlist. When was this made? This playlist, I think he's he's sort of beat me to it now. He has claimed this uh, this moniker, hasn't he? I can't claim it back now. Put a dash in between Chad and Car. Uh, Done. Uh, no one, no one does that though. Uh, what other bands are there? Ni- the nineteen seventy-five. Do you listen to them? Never. You ever heard them? No, I heard from was it Death from Above nineteen seventy not nineteen seventy nine, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's got nothing yeah, it's got nothing to do with the nineteen seventy five though. the nineteen seventy five is like um again it's it's part of this like new wave of uh, pseudo eighties music where they incorporate <sighs> a lot of like clean, spangly flangery guitars and uh, you know, synth keyboards and whatnot. Uh, I don't know why I knock it, I listen to Greta Van Fleet, so well, they're nothing like fucking Greta Van Fleet. No, no, but in terms of like, in terms of like nostalgia bands, like when yeah. you're just riding off a particular nostalgic sound. Oh, don't you find it weird? The it. fucking elitists who are like get super pissed off about Greta Van Fleet sounding like Led Zeppelin. I'll never understand it. I've never no. engaged him. No, and there's a lot of it though. There is a lot of hate, it's like genuine hate for them, and it's just so weird. Yeah, it's straight. Yeah, it's straight. I, I went to a pub once where <clears throat> on the jukebox they had Black Sabbath War Pigs, but it was mm. sung by, it was a live version sung by Ronnie James Dio. 
right. there was like three people in that pub that would always leave the pub when that came on. So like, they couldn't be in the same room as Dio singing <laughs> fucking war pigs. So like, what the fuck are you on about your nut job? Yeah, it's why not like I mean um Greta Van Fleet are like such a uncanny reincarnation of Led Zeppelin real. I mean they don't quite have like the talent composition or like they're not quite as unique in, in sort of what they bring into their songs. But you know, just an experience. Like if you want to see Led Zeppelin in their prime live, you just sort of just go and f- fucking watch Greta Van Fleet. It's like such mm. a similar sort of experience, I think. Um, yeah. And I know that's sort of blasphemous to say, but you know, it's the closest you can get. So, uh, you know, unless you want to fucking watch a uh, tribute act, you know, and they're not getting shit for it. So, I saw a video of Steven Tyler singing "A Lot of Love." Um, yeah, "A Lot of Love" in 2007 in a club, and it sounded better than anything Robert Plant had ever done. <laughs> Yeah, With respect, yeah. yeah. It's a weird one. Uh, yeah, anyway, the 975 are actually um, like a big sort of guilty pleasure for bands I listen to, actually. Like, between the Buried and me and Periphery, I've seen them, like, posting Instagram live videos where they're at their concerts, um, just by coincidence. I was listening to them before then, don't worry about that. But uh, the, the lead singer is actually, um, like, the son of someone from Coronation Street. I think no or EastEnders, yeah, EastEnders or Granite Street, one or the other. Uh, in my head, it's Les Battersby's uh, son. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember Les Battersby? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, but it's not him. It's it's a, a female actress. I don't, I can't remember what she's called. Uh, she's on Loose Women, actually. So that if that gets you any closer to knowing who it is, absolutely not. Uh, let's have a look at the Loose Women lineup. Oh my god! Gosh. I'm gonna have to clear my clear my internet. Browsing history after this, I know. Oh, I know it's going to be on it. Yeah, people will know now. <laughs> They've been googling this shit. God, how many how many loose wing presenters have there been? I can't even find that. Jesus Christ, it's been going on for too long. That show, isn't it? Too long. I've no, I, I haven't watched it. I know it's just a bunch of fucking middle aged women <laughs> talking. Karen's. Middle, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, a bunch of Karens doing Karen-y shit, isn't it? Uh, Denise Welsh is the, the person. <laughs> Never heard of it. All right. Well, that was. Wasted fucking effort, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners, that's who the son, of, the fucking singer of 1975. Um, another band, actually, I'm sort of starting to realize all of these guilty pleasure bands are just pseudo 80s synth yeah, pop bands. I'm seeing a trend here as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm seeing like a trend. punk, and yeah, I'm recognizing a trend I didn't see before. The next band is The Midnight. Let me guess. Yeah, it, yeah, it's very. This is like super wearing the heart on their sleeves, like uh, synthwave to listen to in, when you're driving down the highway in your Lamborghini. Like this is, like you know, they're not making, they're not pulling any punches with this. Um, I went to see them live at the end of 2019, and like everyone there was wearing like yellow vests and bandanas and like aviators and stuff. And all their merch is that kind of stuff as well. Right, okay. <laughs> that, that's how extreme it is. Do so they dress as bees? It sounds like you're just describing a bee outfit. <laughs> oh, well, it does actually. I guess they weren't all yellow, to be fair. Just neon colours, you know, whatever is like stereotypically 80s. Right, um, yeah. But they're super good songwriters. The songs are really, really solid. Um, and I think there's definitely like appeal there to people who listen to heavy music. The same mm-hmm. with like the 1975 or like any of these bands I've listened to, I think there's like a, just a good 
songwriting um, foundation there, which anyone can appreciate. I would uh, suggest you go and listen to at least one song by The Midnight. Okay. Maybe... Um, to spell it with, with Vs. Let me get, no, it's not actually. Let me uh, find a specific song for you to listen to. Go and listen yes. to Sunset. Right. By The Midnight. I can't, I can't see you disliking it. And I'd say listen to Riot by Paramore, but you already do. Yeah, I already do. Also, they have a lot of um, saxophone solos, which you, you just cannot put down. <laughs> like, uh, you know, live, seeing a guy just absolutely shredding it on a saxophone is, is an amazing experience. It's not, you know, you just don't get that going to a metal concert. No, you do get it going to Bruce Springsteen, though. I do like a bit of the boss. Mm. Yeah, well, I've, well, yeah, but that's in a stadium. You're really connected when the fucking guy is playing like a two-minute saxophone solo on it, and he comes into the crowd and just walks through the crowd playing it, like just you know, cruising his way through the crowd, like strutting while he's playing a like, killer saxophone My favorite solo. video in the same class as your guy, the Jack guy with the dancing, is I think it's like a Chinese club or something, and the music is like a boom, 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 and there's a guy with a saxophone just in the middle of the dance floor just jamming. <laughs> And they occasionally they turn down the music to let him take a saxophone solo. Have you seen this? Have you heard about I this? Don't think, <laughs> I don't think so. I've seen. I have seen a lot of like prank videos where the prank is just a guy playing a saxophone in public places. Um, I'll send it to you. All right, send that over. Yes. I guess another guilty pleasure, or just bands I would recommend that aren't fucking rock or metal, like uh, is the War on Drugs. Never heard you, of it. You heard them. Uh, you, you seen this? You heard about this? Yeah, you seen this band? You heard about this band? Uh, I have only, I've only, I've only listened to one of their albums. They're, they are like pretty fucking monotonous and, te- and tedious to listen to. Um, you know, it's definitely sort of thing you just want to listen to their best off album yeah. rather than a full album. But um, "Pain" by "Pain" by the Warren Drugs is a really good song. Like a really good song. They're almost they've almost got like an eighties aesthetic as well. It's not synth, <laughs> but they're using like the you know the Roland keyboard. Yeah. Piano. They they're using that like very heavily throughout and then the bass is like turned right up and stuff like that. Um Let, watch that I want to hear your your live reaction to that video I just sent you. Oh. He needs to change that read. <laughs> Is that it? That was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean that that's what the whole vibe at like the midnight concerts are. Even the ones I've seen online on YouTube as well. It's like everyone's just getting like just hyped about the fucking saxophone solo. It's just crazy, and every yeah. you know while they're all in their fucking stereotypical eighties gear, it's just a really you know it's just a good time. Yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a whirl for shits and gigs. I don't know what else I've got. Give it, give Nora Jones a, a whiff, I guess. Yeah, I've got, I've got that in a tab. Um, any other? I mean, I could probably. I got one more. Got Sean, Sean Hayes, is, which is like a singer-songwriter deal. Um, Sean Hayes spelt like the actor from Will and Grace, but isn't the actor <laughs> from Will and Grace? Right. Yeah, well, that's the only result when I've googled it now. So. Uh... Not on Spotify it. though. Spotify, you'll, you'll get him. Right. Musician, there we go. Have I, seen, I don't think seen this guy. Uh, I think the album you're looking for is Run Wolves Run. So, alternative indie 
began playing traditional American and Irish music. It it's sounds, called, yeah, cool. it's not. It's like a hipster before hipsters, basically. Yeah. But his voice is like, uh, it's so annoying because it feels like really tender, like almost to the point where I think he's had an accident, and that's why he can maintain such a weird tender voice. <laughs> it doesn't feel natural, and it's kind it of sounds, really. Uh, I feel like he needs to cough and like sing properly, but the songs are doing good, so I'll let him off. It sounds like something Anthony Fantano would like. Um, you know, where it's like sort of esoteric <laughs> enough to be, to be, you know, uh, free from criticism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's. I'm gonna see if he's if he's very artistic sort of music. Let's see if he's done one. No, I've not seen it. I'm surprised. Ha huh. ha. Huh. Right, I think that's all we've got time for then. All right, all right. I mean, I, I guess we can continue this because uh, I'm interested. We can continue this with to uh, see what Dave's fucking uh, suggestions are for with with David. And I won't, you know, to honour his memory, I won't, I won't ring us out. With the well, I'll ring us out then. Oh, I can do if you want. You can, uh, you can find us at uh, the Temple of Blood on uh, Spotify, YouTube, and all your local podcasting services. Uh, you can find me on YouTube.com slash Final Cut. And you can find Dave at Nowhere. Yep. That's it. <laughs>